Pulp MX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first, let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill... Then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulp Mex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. All right, my first guest of the night was actually in studio for episode 443 from Verb Moto, Red Bull Moto Spy, brought to you by Guts Racing, Mr. Wes Williams. What's up, Wes? Yo, hand claps all around. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, man. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know if you would say yes, and you did. You, that's two podcasts for you in one week. Woo. Dude, I, I'm still recovering from the first one. The uh, a, a full day of travel and back to Vegas uh, from the East Coast definitely took it out of me. I felt uh, I, I was trying to be 18 again, and it clearly shows <laughs> that I'm not. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. Uh, it, as we get older, we uh, we feel those things. And I'm going to ask you about your trip out there and obviously some behind-the-scenes stuff. But let's get to our other guest, uh, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires from WPS, Ryan McPherson. Everybody knows him as Skippy. What's up, Skippy? 
Lord, I was born a Michelin man. Well, now we have the new commercial for 2021. Skippy, yeah. how you been Let's doing, do man? How's, how's WPS treating you? Oh, man, if I was any better, I'd be uh, Steve. <laughs> That's not very good. All right. Well, guys, we're uh, obviously we're here to talk about episode 443 with uh, Wes Williams in studio. We had Justin Barsha, Tony Alessi, Josh Woods, and John Anderson on the line. Uh, Wes, first of all, uh, John was supposed to be in studio with you. That's what I had understood anyway. When you find out that that's not going to happen, does it add any pressure to you to have to do it by yourself? Yeah, because the fact that I've I've never co-hosted with Steve before, I've shot plenty of times for Motospy of him co-hosting with other people. And obviously, uh, other guys set the the bar pretty high, like Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant, uh, even Justin Starling when we were in Salt Lake City. I was like, Damn, those are some big shoes to fill. Yep. So uh, when I heard it was just going to be me, I was like, "Oh shit, I got to bring my A game." But uh, Steve, Steve's so damn good at what he does that um, I, I don't know. It was almost more intimidating trying to butt in sometimes. But after a after a big ass coffee and a couple white calls, I found my groove. I think. Yeah, you were rolling along pretty good, and I, I, obviously I forgot to mention I'm Dark Side from the Moto X Pod show, and I'm brought to you by Seal, Seal Savers. Uh, yeah, that's the one, and I guess the one and only mention of that show tonight. Skippy, what was that show? I, I don't remember. You tell me. I forgot. I think it was the Moto X Pod show. Did I hear that correctly? Possibly. I've heard of it. I think. I think it's okay. a pretty damn good show. Um, yeah, I like the Moto X Pod show. <laughs> And Pulpamex. Uh Yeah, Pulpamex is not bad. Uh, Skippy, what did you think of episode 443 as a whole? I really liked it. I thought the uh, all of the guests flowed very nicely as far as uh, the content and everything. Everything seemed very natural. Nobody seemed tense. It was uh, And it was a perfect silly season moment. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, Tony Alessi, most of all. Yeah. Uh, and on the insight he was doing, but also the promotions he was doing. So, yeah, it was a great show. Uh, overall, I think uh, it flowed well. Wes, you, you seemed like a natural. You know, you seemed like you, you act like it was a, a timid show initially coming in because you haven't ever been in there before, but uh, you, you acted like a natural, my friend. All right, all right. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we, I want to mention, Skippy, you're you're still out slinging WPS fly uh, fly racing product. You're out on the road, so if there's a little bit of background noise, that's because Skippy's out working, man. He's promoting the best gear on the planet. So, uh, yeah, don't give me any crap, Steve. If there's a, if you have any sound issues, because you had some issues yeah. Monday night, also. Um, yeah, it's, it's 6.30, so I'm sorry. I, uh, it's 6.30 here. I uh, sometimes uh, work until my dealers work, and that is yep. uh, the name of the game. You work hard and you play hard. So there you go. That's the name of the game, so I apologize for the background noise. Guys. All... I'm trying to mute it as much as possible. Yeah, it's really not that bad. I just want to throw it out there just in case Steve has any criticisms. Uh, Wes, so I want to get your schedule. When I flew in a few weeks ago, I flew in around 11, 11.30, went over to Steve's house, hung out a little bit. You went on a mountain bike ride. What was your schedule, and how did things flow up until uh, showtime? Uh, let me see if I can even remember. Uh, <laughs> I, I got up about 4.30 Eastern time. Uh, I got to the airport. My flight was at, at oh, no, okay, my flight was at 8, so I got there around 6.30. So I left my house about 5.30, got up about 4.45. That, that makes sense. So then I, I land immediately Uber to Steve's house. 
And he's like, all right, throw on the mountain bike stuff. We're about to go on a two- or three-hour ride. So I'm like, six. We uh, we drove about 30 minutes to a, a pretty dope spot, and uh, he freaking crushed my ass for uh, about two and a half hours. Uh, and my butt is still very sore from how much we rode. So um, we got back, showered up. Uh, both of us did a little bit of work. And then, uh, shoot, it, it wasn't uh, too much longer until showtime. So then by the time the show was over, I think I was on about 22 hours plus a gnarly-ass mountain bike ride. I was so freaking tired. I bet. <laughs> And but then, then, then I got up at six. No, I had to leave his house at four a.m. to catch a six a.m. flight out of Vegas. So, it, like I said at the top of the show, I, uh, I, I think I over uh, overestimated how old I am, or underestimated whatever. Yeah, it, I, uh, it, it takes a few days to catch up from that. At, at older, I mean, I'm forty five, so it takes me a long time to recover. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Uh, I, I'm good at staying up late and pulling some gnarly hours when we're editing and stuff. But when when you have, add in the the travel aspect, uh, sometimes that's just the that's what takes the toll. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the, one more thing I want to ask as as we get into the show, you mentioned uh, old school Barsha stuff and making him cry at Loretta's. Give us a little background <laughs> on that. Uh, I want to because you never really got into it. I want to hear your perspective on when that went down. So I, I first figured out who Barsha was at Minio's 03. Uh, it was like kind of right when I'd been I'd been filming myself for about a year, making uh, some really crappy like local race videos and stuff, kind of where everybody uh, kind of starts even in this day and age. But uh, I would I would have seen Barsha on a 65 KTM that year, and he was just unreal. And then um, the next year at Loretta's, I was working on this movie called uh, In the Ranks Two, and uh, I remember I. I I don't know. I was obsessed with just shred, little shredders at that time. I, I was probably, I'm only a few years older than Barsha, so I was probably 16, and I don't know. He was still on 65, so who knows? He was like probably 11 or 12, but I was like, dude, this kid's going to be a freaking mad shredder one day. So me and uh, me and my other guy, Richard Crosby, we both took our cameras over to his pit and introduced ourselves to his mom, Lorraine, and his dad, Don. And they're like, Justin, get out here and talk to the cameras. And like, we're just trying to get him to say, hey, I'm Justin Barsha from Monroe, New York, and uh, welcome to Loretta Lynn's 2004, but he kept messing it up. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, on like the ninth take, he finally just cracked and was like, I can't do this. And he freaking, he started, he started bawling. It was, uh, I, don't, I, I haven't asked him if he remembers that, but I, I do have it on tape. So I don't, I don't know that I'll ever make I won't. I won't. I won't make him. Uh, I won't let that out into the world, though. I don't. I don't want to hurt his feelings. Oh man, you should. You got to talk to him about. it. I'm sure he'd be fine with it. We we want to see that. <laughs> um, hey, hey, Skippy. So uh, at the beginning of the show, first of all, Steve pretty much forgot to introduce Dune Goon for a moment, and then we find out that Dune Goon's raking in the money from. Red Bull Spy Moto uh, Moto Spy, but he Steve says he's getting nothing. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that Travis is uh, and uh, all those guys are actually a lot more capable than Steve gives them credit for. So uh, they deserve anything it. that yeah, whatever, just pockets aside. You know, there's a lot of mechanics and coach. I come from the dealership world, yep. And every every mechanic that works at the shop 
works on bikes on the side, so I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, I think I think Marks deserves all the money, Wes. I mean, uh, most of what we know as far as the improvements of Pulpamex in the last couple of years are Travis Marks. So, uh, you know, I mean, we might even need to change the title to, like, Dune Goon MX. Well, who was it that actually referred Dune Goon to the Pulpamex show? That's the person to blame, technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't Isn't remember. Isn't that tits? Isn't that Tits? I think it was Tits. Tits. Is the one that's, yeah, Tits suggested Travis, yeah. and Travis beat Talon out initially, so yep. technically it's Tits' fault. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, I, I 100% think Marks is the talent behind the show. Like, if it weren't for him and the vibe that he brings and just the, you know, the overall cohesion there in the studio, I, I just don't think Steve could, could stay at the level uh, and it even talk for 30 minutes, much less five hours. So, yeah, if it weren't for Marks, uh, he'd be flatlining. I like it. I like that response. Okay, I want to get into Steve's thoughts on the Red Bull video series, the product that Red Bull puts out, that Wes puts out, versus the Monster product. Let's listen to it real quick. Maybe Tyler Berriman, if we have some time, we'll yep, see. Yep. I, what, what was that? What was that call? What, what did you do? Did you see this, Marks? This, this, Red Bull the, Imagination. Did you see this? Red yes, Bull? I did. Was hey, he, I'm a fan he watches our videos. Red Bull. What, 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 what so. was this thing? Red Bull's like, hey, why don't we make this into an event and invite a handful of other people? So it was supposed to just be a proof of concept at first, just Tyler, mm-hmm. just a film crew, and sh- spent a week <clears throat> shooting badass stuff, but then it quickly evolved into a full-on production where we brought a whole crew in, we shot used the Supercross by people to uh, yeah. build out a bunch of episodes on site, and then it also uh, air on Red Bull Signature Series in November, I believe. Okay, uh, it's November 2nd now. So Done. you watched it. I watch the highlights on, 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 on Instagram. You look at the Red Bull output, and then you look at what Monster puts out. Uh, Supercross Ed, uh, fucking Doonies, uh, uh, Poontoon, fucking Express, uh, all that shit that Monster puts out. And you look at Red Bull, and you're like, uh, yeah, uh, that's really cool. Uh, that's garbage and trash. Poontoon? What the fuck? <laughs> They're a very talented crew themselves. So they, the I don't think they are. I don't totally... think they are. I watched that shit. All right, Skippy. So Steve is always very judgmental. Not not super far off the mark here, but, I mean, is this a little bit of hype for because Wes is in, or do you think he truly feels that way? And how do you feel about it? Now, this is Wes being politically correct. Yeah. And him being very proper towards his competitors because he understands the idea that if his competitors don't float on a boat, then all of us sink. So it's best to always uh, compliment your competition and not shit on them because, uh, because he is a competitor, it's a much more professional look for Wes to. Uh, praise them for their efforts and their attributes that they're going for because they are totally going for a different market. So uh, nothing wrong with what Wes did. Nothing wrong with what Wes said. That is the absolute best professional move because uh, if Wes is as smart as we all think he is, then he knows that it's best if we're all successful. Yeah, good point. Wes, when you're sitting in studio and Steve says stuff like that, there's I would imagine there's part of you where you're kind of like, Oh, I don't really want to have to tackle this, but also ah, I really like what he's saying. I like the compliment. You know, it's good for the ego. Uh, what's your What's your actual reaction? Maybe not what you said so much, but what you're feeling. Well, you know what? I, I think I can understand all viewpoints. Like everybody has their own taste, but in my mind, anybody that wants to spend money within our sport 
uh, to, to market to any demographic and, and go towards their marketing, hey, the more the better. So, yeah, Monster might be a competitor of mine on the Red Bull side, but beyond that, they're my friends too, and I honestly do think they're beyond talented uh, at what they do. It's just a completely different look, feel, and marketing than we do. And to be honest, like, there's a lot of times they do cool-ass shit that I'm like, damn, I wish I was part of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, of course, Steve has his own opinions, and, and I, I can see that it's not for everybody. But at the same time, maybe what we do is not for everybody. It's a, it's a very different look, feel, and uh, just different different formula altogether. Like like I said on the show, we're, we're all about high-end cinematic storytelling, and they're more about just making – uh, you know, a one-off dope-ass video. So um, it, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm jealous that I don't get to do that kind of stuff more often. The uh, the long-form storytelling uh, is very hard. It's yep. very monotonous, and it's a lot of a lot and lots of days uh, behind the computer in the edit bay. So um, yeah, if anything, I'm I'm jealous that I don't get to do one one more off stuff like we did at Imagination, where it's just like one badass week of filming, and then uh, and then you're done with it. Yeah, I can see that. That's that's a good point. I, I like your perspective on it. Um, all right, let's move on to. Uh, we had a caller early in the show, Zach, who had his own race tech rant, Skippy uh, Pulp Twenty at Race Tech. Uh, it was about you know the swap uh, swap moto live stuff. We had them riding the star bikes, and it you know his opinion on it. I think Steve, I like Steve's opinion. I think he was right on this. You know, like swap had to do the ride, right? You can't say no. Uh, I, I don't think there's any real tension between Swap and Mathis. Uh, but, you know, I, I see where the, the fan is coming from, too, right? The guy, Zach, he's a fan, and he's pissed that Steve got shit on. Yeah, I think the, I think the uh, from a fan perspective, that's, that is uh, an accurate way of looking at it. I think it's a, uh, I think it's just, whenever I look at it, I look at everything towards relationships, and I think that's, Star shitting on Steve more more so than uh, uh, Swap actually trying to you know mess with Steve at all. Once again, it has nothing to do with uh, what anything happened previously with right. Bolt and everything like that. I think it's just all about Swap jumping on an opportunity, and uh, I think it's extremely a hundred percent shit. Uh, that started that to Steve because they got a lot of promotion for a long time with Will's weekly calls, and I think that's a a pretty shitty way to pay back that. You know, it might not be free advertising. He may have been paying Will to be coming on every week, but there was a there was a lot of weeks there that Will was coming on consistently, and it was a weekly Will call essentially. And now all of a sudden. Y'all are going to shit on them. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that, uh, personally, but the, I don't know. I think yeah. uh, there's a lot more going on there than, you know, what a WPS rep from Houston can analyze. And, you know, I, I think that was pretty boo-boo on Star's behalf, you know, considering there's a lot of products whenever I was uh, working from the dealership that I would buy specifically because, you know, it was the sponsor of the show, and there's a lot of influence that I knew that people – were sponsoring the Pulp MX show, so therefore I wanted to help support those folks. And I think it's pretty, you know, piss poor that, you know, especially with Steve being super Yamaha guy, Mr. Blue Crew, that uh, they did that to him. Uh, I think that's just uh, miscommunication and also just ego all get all getting involved in the wrong places. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. There was uh, there was definitely at least one or two people at Star that fucked him down. You know, it's and it does suck. It, uh, you know, obviously he's still friends with Will, uh, and hopefully that relationship can be rebuilt because <laughs> Star's going to have a hell of a a force at the races, and Steve needs to be able to talk to those guys. Yeah, and, go- and and especially with Keeper uh, having a strong influence on where people go to towards buying new bikes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could you could sit there and figure out exactly what it was about the star bikes that made them so great, and it would. I, I have a feeling that if Keeper got his hands on that bike, he could break down the individual components that would make them so good. So there's an opportunity for those products and those aftermarket brands to be built, as well as an opportunity for uh, riders to feel like, hey, you know, I might have a YZ250F, but you know, they only have this, 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 and this. I can start racing Yamaha. So there's a big opportunity there that I think they missed out on a much bigger um, demographic than what you would get with, you know, swap. Sure. No, offense to, yep. no offense to swap or anything like that. But I guarantee you that, and I don't know the numbers, but I would bet that, that Steve has a much bigger uh, range of, and a much bigger uh, diversity of uh, riders from slow to fast and this and that. And there's I a would lot agree. of riders that, that could use that uh, testing uh, you know, analysis, if you will, of the bike, and they could figure out, hey, so all I need to do to get those starts is get a recluse clutch or do this or do that. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of opportunities there uh, that were missed out and a lot of uh, marketing and uh, that was just straight up missed by somebody's ego. That, uh, that's yep. an ego thing. Good out. point. Um, Wes, after Zach called in, we had Ash that called in, and he he had I think he was from Australia. He sounded Australian, um, and he asked about Steve listening to other pods and giving those guys credit. And I kind of got the feeling from Ash that he didn't. He thought maybe Steve got some info, some stuff from po- other pods or other media outlets, and maybe he didn't always give him credit, but. I think most of Steve's info does come from his uh, relationships and him getting them. And when he does get stuff from other people, I, I feel like he's pretty good about giving credit where it's due. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think we all know for sure that Math is probably the most well-connected and uh, got the best ears in the pits. Uh, and, and he's in a position to be able to report a lot of that stuff. So, you know, if if he does hear something from someone else, I bet you it's three seconds later that he gets the, uh, the information firsthand. So, yeah, you yeah. know, whether, and at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, okay, cool. You, you got some information first. But I don't know. It's not like we're seeing in over here. Like sometimes I just think a lot of that stuff just gets so overhyped or overplayed. Like at the end of the day, does it really matter? Um, Where it came from? Sure. If it was like some huge breaking story, but if it's like, Oh, I heard Joe Shimoda is going to be riding for Pro Circuit Kawasaki. I mean, does that really change anybody's life? No. Yeah, that's actually a good point because when I went to Loretta's this year, round one, I I had got I went there like ten minutes, and I had had three different industry people from different teams tell me we're not going uh, next weekend to Washougal. It's not going to happen. So I tweeted it out, and then I got a call or a text. Hey. That's not official. You need to take that down. Right. And, yep. and I was like, oh, shit, okay. You know, I didn't really word it properly. And the person that sent me the, the warning text, hey, you, before you get in trouble, it's like, dude, it, 
I called that person and I was like, Hey man, I just, you know, I, I rarely get this stuff first. And I, I was excited, you know, and he's like, dude, nobody's going to remember a month from now anyway, where it came for first. And he was right. And it was a good, it was a good learning lesson. You know, it was something that I took to heart. So yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. I do, I do have some audio I want to play. It's a little bit of lost audio. Uh, the mics weren't on when this was said, but uh, about Steve listening to other pods. Let's listen to it. Why don't you ever reference other MX pods when there's like, yeah. not breaking news, but like say, oh, I was listening to a certain other podcast the other day and, you know, blah, blah, said something quite interesting. Like, do you listen to any of the others? I love the Moto X pod show. I don't know about you guys, but it sounds like Steve listens to at least one other podcast, Wes. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame him. Like, he's a busy-ass guy, so I, if I heard that right, he said Moto X Pod show. So, um, I mean, uh, hey, that's pretty badass. A lot, lot of other pods out there. So, I mean, dude, that gives you a lot of credit. Yeah, I wouldn't swear to it, but we'll, we're going to roll with it. Um, all right, Skippy, I want to get to the first call-in guest of the night, Justin Barsha. Back with Red Bull, uh, Gas Gas, new team. Some pretty cool stuff with him, man. We 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 saw that he's right. He was riding the Gas Gas Trials bike, which was pretty freaking rad. Uh, you think he, we have a f- future Trials World Champion on our hands with tri- uh, Justin Barsha? Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I, I've kind of accomplished all my goals with racing, and so now I'm finding other things to do to, you know, fulfill that kind of do stuff, but. Uh, I had a couple things that I wanted to bring up about Bam Bam to ask you guys, if that's all right. Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. So I got I got four different things I want to talk about that uh, regarding Bam Bam's conversation. I'm sorry to uh, redirect this. Uh, no, that's what we're, we're about to Mr. talk about. Dark side. But uh, I think that uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about with Bam Bam, specifically with his interview. Well, first things first. I think that it needs to be commended, and I think it's something that is one of the reasons why uh, he's such a good role model is his loyalty to his previous sponsors. Yeah. I think it's unbelievable that after he posted the news, Alpine Stars, Alpine Stars was like, they left a comment on his Instagram saying, you know, love seeing this but hate seeing this, or stoked but not stoked. I think it's what they said, stoked but not stoked. Uh, I think is what they said. Yeah. And uh, I think that's absolutely incredible that he has shown so much praise to his previous sponsors, and they're both showing an incredible amount of mutual respect. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of, you know, amateur riders as well as pro riders need to look towards because I think people are just willing to get the first, you know, free handout or the first hookup, and they have no loyalty whatsoever to, uh, on an amateur level, maybe it's the dealers, or uh, you know, on a pro level, it could be the brands. But I think that uh, a lot of places are very quick to sell themselves short on what loyalty brings, and a lot of deal, a lot of customers, from what I've experienced, go out and look for prices on Amazon for certain parts and stuff like that. But they don't ever realize that if they committed themselves to a certain dealership, maybe they can get, you know discounts and stuff and i think that's something that really really needs to be uh thrown in the face of some of these kids that you know are just are looking up at these riders that you know one maybe they're a c rider and they're looking for a sponsorship and they want to go to is hook it even a thing anymore people uh, still do hook it yeah a little bit so but you know people are always asking for discounts 
but they never commit themselves to commit uh, to being loyal to a brand or a company. And so, especially I think at the pro level. Something, yeah. So I'm curious what y'all think about how uh, Bam Bam ha- handled his departure from his previous sponsorship. I'll let you have that, Wes. I'm not sure if I said it on the show or not, but I, I definitely talked to Steve about it. Maybe maybe it was even afterwards. But I I'm one 100 with you, Skippy. Like it. I think it was so cool that I saw that Alpine Stars post and him thanking them for the years of years of help and believing in him and like I, you know I, I'm sure I'm sure he must have shed a tear when all that had to go down. But it was cool that they backed him up and said, hey, you know what we we know this next step's the best for you and we we support you in this decision. Um, you know, so so for both ways, I I, I I commend both of them. Like from Justin's perspective and the company perspective, it's cool. That they were able to part on such good terms, and uh, you know, uh, outside looking in, it seems like they'll they may not be be partners per se, but they'll be friends forever. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's very uh, uncommon. It doesn't happen a lot in the pro level. Uh, everybody jumps to whoever's going to pay the most money, period. And at least with Alpine Stars, you can tell that Barsha had a lot of loyalty. I mean, he's still wearing the boots, but uh, it was it was a difficult decision for him, but he went with it. Uh, but uh, with what he had needed to do, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of respect and love there between those guys. And before we get to one of your next points, Skippy, speaking of some love in the air, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Justin and Steve didn't like each other. Uh, you know, he, he called me and he's like, oh man, I, he didn't say he was shy, but I think TK's a little bit shy. So I was like, you know what? I got you, dude. I'll do it. <laughs> nice, nice. I like it. Good evening. Uh, I think I want to start us out by saying I'm feeling the love in the air today. Yo. The release. Mm. It's my anniversary, mm. and Steve sent me a hundred dollar gift card to Amazon. <laughs> my life. Hey. I I, uh, I did do that. Don't expect that every time. By the way, I'm expecting it every time now. I, no, I'm just kidding. I, but I honestly, did it because it's I, your anniversary, and I thought it was really cool that you made time for us. You know, uh, you're you're a good dude. <laughs> It, oh, fight, fight, it hurt you to say that, didn't it? It really hurt you to say that. Well, Wes, uh, JB says he's a good dude and is willing to come on the Pulp Show on his anniversary. I mean, what the tides have turned. Hey, you know what? That just shows that Justin's feeling it. Um, and yeah. what's cool, if you, you guys will see it in the first episode of Moto Spy. Uh, but I got to film the, the conversation of uh, Troy and TK and Jeremy from Red Bull having the very first conversation uh, with Justin Wright after he signed, and like you could just hear the excitement in his voice. Um, I'm sure he was very happy where he was at, but I, you know, just like most writers at their point or his point in his career, you know, you're looking for a change. You, you know, you got a few solid years left. You, you want to get a, a win, maybe a championship, and I, I really think he views this this new move as that opportunity for him. So I legitimately do think uh, he's. He's crazy excited, and, uh, you know, the uh, the old Bam Bam hopefully is back uh, personality-wise. Yeah, and speaking of him being excited and what's to come. But every time I think of Arsha, it's just like he's always just looking for something that maybe he'll never find. And maybe, yeah. you know, I think guys like Ricky Carmichael or guys like even James Stewart, or, or there, there have been guys that were like, yeah, whatever the bike's whatever, I'm going to make it happen anyway, you know? Yeah. And I think Barsha could use some of that and i don't want to be critical of barsha at all but i think at times he lets the bike psych him out too much 
right? He gets he gets too worked up about what the bike isn't doing right, and he let it he lets it affect his riding. All right, Skippy. The reason I played that audio now, which that actually came later in the show, was during the the interview with Justin. He talked about he said I've I've always wanted to ride an Austrian bike. Uh, he feels like he could be a role model to the team. Uh, and, and then he talks about the traction of the bike and that it almost is like th- those bikes have been cheating all these years. But then JT sort of says, hey, man, you know, we've seen these mental things basically with Justin and it could get inside his head. I want to get your thoughts on what JT said versus how Justin has to kind of come across as a rider. You know, they're always going to say, I love this bike, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that uh, Justin's the kind of dude that when he's having fun, uh, he's always going to talk positive and he's going to ride positive and his results are going to showcase him having fun. And he's the kind of person, uh, I hate to say it, but he's, he's kind of very similar to how I am. Whenever, I, whenever I'm feeling good and I'm having fun, I'm riding my best, you know, even as a squid local rider. Uh, when I'm having the most fun, I ride my best. And I think... Uh, whenever Justin's having the most fun and he feels good and the vibes are going with the team, I think that's whenever he does his best. And, like, we've seen him do well at A1, uh, and that's coming off of confidence. That's coming off of a great offseason, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he, com- he comes out swinging. So I think – and I don't know Justin. I ain't ever met him or talked to him or nothing, but I would think he's the kind of person that when he's having fun and his vibes are good, that's when he's mentally going to have his, his own personal uh, confidence within himself, which is – Going to give him good starts. Confidence is a direct correlation to great starts, and I think he gets good starts and he puts himself in a great position when he's feeling confident and sure about himself. And whenever he comes off of a solid off season, even with Yamaha and the troubles they've had with the 450, he was feeling good as a test track. Sure. When he came out at the first practice of A1 last year, he came out swinging, and he's been swinging, you know, until the checkered flags, and that's why he won, and that's why he's done well. And I think he's a very mental person as. Uh, on vibes, I don't think it's necessarily all bikes because you know if he's if he's feeling good and he's having fun and he's in a good mood, he's gonna ride well. That's kind of what I've gathered as a fan. Uh, Wes, you know him a little bit more personally. What about, what do you think about it? I mean, look at look at what he's done every year coming into A one. Just when he when he's really gelling with the bike and he said he's made a bunch of changes. I have no idea what happens. After A1, you would think he'd be able to keep riding high on that confidence. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he keeps it going this year. Um, but I, I think we've seen it with many riders in the past. As soon as you make that transition to a new bike, a new team, new faces, new everything, like it just gives you this new new exuberance to, to capitalize on and like keep the excitement in the air versus uh, you know, maybe maybe on the bike he just kept on the Yamaha. That is, maybe he just kept getting frustrated and more frustrated, and it just seems like a, a never-ending hole, perhaps. Because um, I, even even with what I do, and I'm sure you guys do it in your work, like you know, when you get in a rut, it's hard to get out of it. But but sometimes when you get the the right vibes and the right crew and the right you know project in, in your hands, it uh, it brings a whole new light to uh, you know maybe even months of work at a time. So. I could uh, I could definitely see how you know the the move's going to help him a lot and uh, yeah hopefully hopefully he stays riding high and we get to see a Bam Bam that uh, that we've really never seen or shit I, mean, I haven't seen since those Honda days I right. always think back to him on the Geico team and then you know those first few races on Honda 450 when he was battling Dunge like I always think back to that and it's like 
I, whatever whatever was clicking then, I hope starts clicking again now. Yeah, I think. Dude, we, I was, go ahead, Skippy. Sorry, I was actually really surprised. I was going to call in and ask him. I was really surprised that nobody called in to ask uh, what his thoughts were on the three hundred and fifty because that's the one thing everybody's always said. Like Barsha needs a three hundred and fifty. Barsha needs to be on a three hundred and fifty. And I was really really surprised that nobody uh, called and asked or nobody mentioned him. Perhaps. Uh, Let's say you don't ever want to talk about it, but let's say, you know, he DNFs round three, and you know, he's out. You know, he's out of the championship or whatever. Why would they not throw him on a 350 just for fun? You know, I'm really surprised nobody asked him that. Yeah, good point. Uh, and maybe somebody, maybe uh, that probably will come up at some point. Um, all right, Skippy, let's get this a little bit back to the discussion of pulp on pulp because I think Justin gave us a lot of good stuff. You had uh, you said three or four points. I'm going to give you one more. Pick your favorite that has that's got, that's got to do with the interview on pulp, and we'll we'll discuss that. And we got to move on. So I was uh, I was well okay. I want to talk about something simple. Okay. Talking about no neck brace. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, uh, Wes, are you riding? Do you ride a lot? Man, you my, my last year. My last years of riding a lot was uh, right when like the Leads were coming out, and I never, I never got one. I was always the neck donut guy because of Millsaps and uh, in Barsha, they would always do that. So uh, EBS used to have some that I used to rock, but um, I don't ride enough now to uh, warrant a neck brace, really. So I think that's worth a lot of strong conversation because uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that talk about how neck braces have trained riders to have improper form, which creates them. Um, Oh, wow. create more crashes and yeah. uh, and then on top of that myself I also eliminated the neck brace years ago uh, just because I, I would rather feel free and flowy than feel restricted so that way I, I ride to the my maximum ability but uh, I, I was really interested in, in that conversation because he said that he, he just didn't wear it one day and he felt kind of loosey goosey and uh, I was just kind of curious about uh, what y'all thought about that you, you know what you saying that kind of brings up a, a thought that i always find when we shoot motos by tyler keith the team manager is very analytical when it comes to everything like the detail that dude sees and and is able to comment on whether it's like just the craziest suspension shit or like whether it's like shifting or this that or the other the stuff i hear him pinpoint sometimes is like ungodly i'm like dude are you how you got a slow motion camera in your eyeball like i do not know how you're seeing it and then they'll go back and like watch it in the truck and like that's one thing i'll give tk credit for is like the shit he sees and and is able to communicate to the riders is unparalleled i do not see that when i'm shooting any other team so i almost wonder now like you're saying if if that neck brace is like causing improper form or whatever i bet you that's the first thing tk probably pointed out like hey justin we should see see how you spend some laps without that. Just to you know, see if you know whatever. Maybe maybe uh, you you change your center of gravity just a hair. Um, Interesting. Who knows? But I could see that being a Tyler Keefe recommendation. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. We'll have to keep our eyes on that. Um, all right, guys. You all you guys know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulpamex show. Now I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulpamex Wrap Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. 
If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, check out bike.michelin.com and follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. Uh, hit me up if you uh, want a product code or go to motorsport.com. Um, Wes, I know you ride mountain bikes. You rode with Steve this weekend. Are you, uh, you ever tried out the Michelin tires? Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I, we, we ride with the fastest man in Piedmont quite a bit. I like so, it. So, uh, you know, we're rocking the, we're, you know, we're rocking, rocking the Michelin. boy. We're hopefully they'll be back on for 2021. I believe Steve's working on that right now. So Randy, I'm sure you're listening. Please come back. Um, <laughs> all right. he's a good, he's, and, and they, obviously he loves the motocross. So I, it's, uh, it's always fun to be able to hang out with the dudes that, uh, you know, live it, live it, and work it. Yeah, it, Randy's just, you can't hang out with him and not just laugh constantly. He's hes hilarious. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Tony Alessi, another guy that at one point in time, Skippy, uh, had a little bit of a, a, a beef with Steve, but he's back. Uh, in my opinion, I feel like he's one of the top five, definitely one of the top ten guests that comes on. Uh, what do you think about Tony and you know his honesty and and what he brought to the interview Monday night? Uh, I think you know uh, Tony's extremely well spoken. I think Wes, you pointed that out. Uh, I think he's a great interview, and I think he uh, gives us a lot more information out of uh, a team manager than most would get uh, compared to the regular OEMs or even compared to the other satellite teams. Uh, one thing I was really really impressed with was the information. Uh, that Tony uh, holds in to promote his sponsors, such as y'all noticed how he was promoting that Honda uh, put into production the 2020 Honda. He promoted that. He promoted the rebates that were up to a thousand dollars for that opportunity to buy a, a new Honda 450. And I think that that alone separates, like for me, coming from the, the dealer background. That alone separated everything about Tony's interview. The fact that he's willing to learn about his sponsors to promote them in a very educational manner uh, to where anybody can listen to it and understand what he's promoting, I think that uh, creates uh, an opportunity for Tony to be some of the, one of the best interviews because he is truly doing the best he can to promote the products uh, that sponsor his team, uh, and he's a true marketing asset for that purpose that he knows how to translate uh, from a sponsorship level and a team manager level to a regular Joe Schmo on the street. Uh, he knows how to communicate from all levels of humans, and I think he does a great job promoting his products and as well as uh, running a team, which is why I have always promoted him to be the Motocross of Nations team manager. Yeah, yes, you have. Uh, Wes, when you're sitting in studio and Tony's on the phone, and he says stuff like, uh, you know, he, he gives us that, hey, Benny, B- Benny's somebody they believe in. And Benny has called them 30 times in like 20 days. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we're looking at. Like, Tony's not approaching this like a typical motocross professional team manager, in my opinion. He, like, he's like, he's, he's looking at this in a way trying to put my words to get my words the way what that's human yeah more human uh wes like um he wants to build something right he wants to he wants to have somebody in there that wants to be there that they can work with that they can improve with it it doesn't have to be 
oh, we got to have Ken Roxon and Eli Tomac. No, I want somebody that wants to be here that's going to work, and I really appreciate that from him. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's bringing his dad perspective to it. You know, with growing up with Mike and Jeff and him raising those guys to be as good as they were, uh, you know, I think he brings so much of that experience and the experience he built even once they went pro to, uh, to that side of things. And it might be different if he had the unlimited Honda budget to go hire a Ken Roxon, but I think he brings his perspective and uh, the financial standpoint of, you know, or the limitations thereof uh, and is able to look at a guy like Benny and know that he can – he has all the right qualities, and by you know Tony being such a, uh, a well-spoken, well-rounded team manager altogether, I think he he says, all right, I can use my perspective and my experience to make Benny the best he can be. So, right. um, like you said, Tony is just, I, I, it's just the decades of experience of growing up as a mini dad and parlaying that into a team manager. Like I just, I just feel like he's the most well-rounded guy in the pits, and like you. Like you said, uh, just how how he even brings that experience to talking on and, and subliminally putting those facts in about the uh, about the Honda and everything. Like it, it's just it's crazy to me how smart Tony is and uh, how good he is at his job. Yeah, and I didn't mean to say like he doesn't want a Kenny Roxon, but he wants. He, you know, if he could get a Kenny, obviously he would. But if you had two guys like yeah, like Mookie and Benny, who you know Mookie probably has a little bit probably have some better finishes, more better overall, get better finishes. But I think he would rather have a guy like Benny that wants to be there uh, than a guy like Mookie who maybe doesn't sound like still wanting to be there anymore. Look, I, I thought the Malcolm Stewart thing, uh, he had his career best year with you guys. Um, you know, you, you provided him with good equipment. He looked great. And he's off the team. And I, from what I understand, it, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And I don't know why. I don't know all the things happened behind the scenes, but I found it very odd. We just want to take what there is and make it better. Malcolm coming into the team, you know, he was at a, on his own program. He was 17th overall. He was pretty much 10 to 20 most races. He had a couple of whatever top five finishes, but overall he was 17th place. Came to the team. And within 10 years, we got him to basically finish top 10 in most every race. He had results that were very respectable mm -hmm. and finished all 17 rounds of the Supercross Series. And, um, yeah, I mean, we did we accomplished that, right? We took a guy that, you know, was questionable, that nobody wanted to hire out of 250s and had a bad couple of bad seasons on 450 and, you know, and, and gave him the platform to, to get performances and get results. We did good. I think his wants and needs kind of changed a little bit. When he first came to the team, you know, he was willing to fly up to Genova's and basically, you know, sweep the floors of his garage yeah, and yeah. ride for free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, you know, basically after a few results like that, I mean, I think that his wants and needs kind of just, you know, kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it, it just didn't match. It didn't match our program anymore. All right, I'm going to give you guys both a chance to respond uh, quickly. But what I love about this, one – Steve asked those questions that maybe maybe aren't the questions that they really want to get into, right? I mean, talking about that stuff is probably not Tony's favorite thing to talk about. But then he's honest. He sort of calls out. I mean, he does. He blatantly calls out Mookie without being an asshole about it, but says it like it is and gives us a really good answer that I don't think all the team managers would have given us. Uh, this was probably my favorite part of the Tony Alessi interview, Skippy. What would you think, man? You know, I, I, I think people are soon too soon to forget the 
deal that he negotiated with uh, Geico in regards to them taking McAdoo. Do you guys remember that? The details about McAdoo moving to Geico? Vaguely. No. So the negotiations worked as uh, you can take him to be a fill-in rider, but you can only take him if you sign him next year. And I think people are oh, yeah, very, yeah. very people are very soon to forget that Tony doesn't do this to be the number one team. He does this to essentially uh, give riders an opportunity, uh, a step above what would be TP, TPJ, and he's essentially trying to create to, to create a permanent fill-in rider, if you will, uh, that have the potential to grow to a factory team. And he is, I think he's honest and upfront about it because he's very proud of what he does. And he's very proud of creating new opportunities for McAdoo, which he mentions in this interview. I think he's very proud of taking Mookie, getting him committed to a trainer uh, that we know about. We didn't know about Mookie's training previously before MCR. Now we know he's with, he was with Swanee the whole time and he was really working. And guess what? He started doing well. And so I think uh, Tony takes a lot of pride in help, helping build these riders. Uh, and I think that's a way to, you know, not to sound shitty towards Tony or anything like that, but I think it's a way to fill his ego uh, in absence of winning. He mm. knows that, listen, I'm not, I can't be winning, so what can I do? I can't afford to have a Roxon. I can't afford to have a top three guy. So what can I do? This is what I can do. I can give these kids an opportunity, and I can give them a future. Uh, and hopefully, if you know they do what you know I recommend, then they can do that. And he's done that. He's given McAdoo opportunities. He's given um, Brayton a fill-in spot, essentially. You know, and uh, he's done uh, which Brayton went back to factory Honda after spending time on factory equipment through MCR. And he's done a lot of things. That I think he needs to hold his head up high on. Uh, and that's not and that's not focused on winning. It's focused on building the future of these factory riders. And I think that's something to be really proud of. And I think yep. that uh, that's the reason why he's so upfront about it is because he's like he's very proud of what he's done and he's what he's doing. So, right on, uh, Wes. Any surprise? Anything you took away from that segment of Tony's interview? No, and I'm I. I don't think you could say it better than Skippy just said. It's uh, pretty, so admirable that I, I feel like that's exactly what Tony's mindset is. It's yeah. like I might not be able to afford the best, but I can groom someone to almost be the best or be in the position to to, to race with the best. And, you know, at one point in time he said, hey, I, I could see all four of our dudes, uh, you know, leading the first laps of a main event. And I would be pretty surprised if that doesn't happen this year. He could have all four dudes in the top five those first few laps. We know Vince is going to freaking get the whole shot, right. and the rest of the dudes are just going to be right there in tow. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I going back to what you said though, Dark Side. Like, yeah, Steve hitting the hard hitting questions was great, and the way Tony answered that was uh, was so it was phenomenal, very insightful, and it wasn't like taking super digs on Malcolm. And honestly, it's uh, it's exactly what I expected from the you know uh, the Malcolm side of things, like. You know, you, you, he gets a little success, and then you know, obviously, wants more money and and more opportunity to go with it. And it's like, you know, for Tony's, I'm sure the you got to look at, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? And at that point in time, it's probably not. Like, hey, I can get Benny for a fraction of the cost, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe 
maybe double the opportunity here, so or, or, or potential. So um, I, I don't, I, I'll be really excited to see how it goes. Benny's a good dude and uh, has a long career ahead of him. So you know, under under Toadie's guidance, hopefully we get to see some uh, see some magic from him. I hope so. Uh, we're going to start clipping some of these things off here. Uh, we're, we're an hour in, and we're about one page of oh, my wow. notes. we got like three pages to go. This this wrap-up show could end up being longer than the Pulp Show. <laughs> That's because it's so good, and you have the best guest ever. Right. Very <laughs> Skippy self-promoting. I love it. Um, all right, so I'm just going to touch on a couple other things that Tony talked about that I thought were cool. Uh, talking about Vince Freezy riding the 21 and why the other guys aren't, you know, saying, hey, it's too hard, not like it's too hard, I don't want to work that hard, but it's not fair to subject his other riders to that, to not maybe getting parts. Uh, I thought that was, again, a commendable thing from him. I liked uh, Steve asked him about 250 team, and he said only if it's Mumford or nobody. Mumford's my boy, so yeah. I'm down with that. Um, I do want to move on now to Josh Woods. Uh, Wes, it sounds like you knew Josh fairly well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that we, we – I've known him for a very long time. I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say we're, like, long-time friends or every, anything, but I've, I've uh, obviously grew up in the amateur ranks going down to MTF and GPF throughout many of my years. So uh, I, I obviously know of him and talk to him a lot. And um, and so, yeah, it was it, I, and anytime, obviously, we bring up amateur racing, I, I love talking about it. So it was yeah. fun to have him on. Well, that – so he, we, there was a lot of good stuff with the Josh interview. Uh, I'm going to just take a couple parts. We're going to listen to a little piece of audio, and we'll discuss these two uh, two segments. Like a million training facilities now, they're all on the level that the fast dudes used to be on. But is there unquestionably the next guy coming? Without a doubt, will be you know top three win races. It's just a different era than it was with Stuart Mike. You never know. In my opinion, they're all that fast. And so that, and the problem is, like, they get used to winning all throughout their amateur careers. And as soon as you bump up, and in, in my opinion, a lot of times way too early, like, you need another year to mature. Like, why do it at 16? Right. Uh, Hammaker, Hammaker's 20, we just found out. I mean, he's had some injuries. So that's, he's older than I and thought. Ho- and hopefully that maturity yeah. will help. But, like, my, I, I, I like his story. Yeah. He's, he's a. He's cool because he kind of came on late, right? I'd never yeah. heard of the kid before, and then all of a sudden he shows up at Loretta's on Super Mini, and he's battling for the lead. Right. It was the first time I'd ever heard of the kid. Had no help at all. Right. He was right. riding a Cowie Super Mini against all these, you know, faster Husk of our uh, KTMs, and and did great, you know. And and so he's a cool story. I like his thing, and I I do think there's something to the burnout of of the younger kids, right? Mm-hmm. And not and not not mental burnout. It's physical burnout, right? Cause right. Yep. You know, I, I think, you know... They start training at 10 years old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, your body only has so many years of training at that level. All right, Skippy, I'm going to give you this one a little bit because we, we got Wes's thoughts on it uh, on the show. Um, but this is something that Steve talks about. Where he's not a big amateur guy, but he definitely has brought up the training facilities and, and um, not racing enough, just training and, and then the burnout. Um, what are your thoughts, man, on what was said? I think everything that was said was kind of what needs to be said. I don't think the only thing that was uh, wasn't touched on is the parents. I think the uh, the parents' influence have a obviously uh, a strong in, a, a strong influence here, and I think that uh, that's something that wasn't touched on. And so that's kind of something that I think digs in a little bit deeper into this conversation. And with that, I would ask Wes, uh, 
you know, what has the parents' involvement been like with these facilities? Because I think that is the big thing. And these riders get blown out and burned out because the parents are shoving, in my opinion, I would think these parents are shoving them, these kids into these training facilities because that's the way to go and that's the direction to go. But they forget about the having fun part. They forget about the, the fun progression with your local friends versus, you know, you progress at these training facilities. You're going to progress really quickly, and then you're going to get burned out because you're not growing and learning until it's a mental case to where you're now depressed because you went from winning to not winning. So I'm kind of curious uh, to hear Wes's perspective on, you know, what it's like with uh, the parents uh, during these stages. Well, you got to think if you're an eight or 10 year old and your parents want you to go live at MTF or GPF or Moto Sandbox, wherever it is, is that not an eight year old's dream? Of course, you're going to say yes. You just don't even realize the life that you're signing up for at that point. And, um, you know, it's the parents that just take it too serious. I'm all about like going down there and doing some camps or like during winter break, going and spending two weeks at a time. But like at some point in time, you got to got to let your kid be a kid. And, um, I don't know. I definitely think they're getting pushed into it way too early, and I don't know that we've really seen the effects of it yet. But you know, the the, the mental and physical burnout that's going to start happening at at a twenty year old level is going to be pretty significant moving forward. Like, uh, you know, my whole era, most of the training kids didn't do the training camp thing until you know maybe sixteen years old or whatever. You know, maybe there was some. Marsha was probably like the youngest kid at the training facility at that time. Like MTF, no five, he was twelve or thirteen, maybe. Um, and it had just opened up. So, uh, you know, there wasn't the seven and eight year olds there or the 50 kids and all that shit. And so, uh, de- definitely in the next, next handful of years, we're going to see what it's really like, you know, like a Mumford or a Ryder D or, you know, some kids like that that have been training since they've been winning on 50s, uh, you know, really to see if they have longevity to last to the 450 class. Yeah, I, I don't think, like, Ryder D, Evan Ferry, Danger Boy, uh, Jet Reynolds, some of these kids that are coming soon in the next few years, none of those kids are really spending a lot of time at training facilities, though, are they? Because I think, like, Ryder hangs out at Carson's no, house a lot. and no, no, but but they all train at that level. True. So, like, they might not be living at a training facility, per se, but they're all got trainers, and they've been doing it. They, whether you live at a and training they don't facility go to or not, <laughs> yeah. if you're at that level, you're still training at that level. Okay, yeah, that's true. Like I, I talked to Ryder a lot. Ryder and I become buddies a few years back, um, and like his his family and I kind of know each other. And I, like I always ask Ryder, like, do you take time to just be a kid, go hang out with your buddies? And, and they do. They go ride bicycles in the desert. Or they go play video games. Him and Carson, you know, when when Carson when they were close, living close to each other. Him and Jet Reynolds, and, yeah. and they do go take time to be a kid. And yeah, I always kind of emphasize that with Ryder in particular, just because I talk to him a lot. Is dude, you got to do that, man. I don't want to see you get burnt out. And I think his parents know that. Like the the DeFresco, uh, De Francescos aren't like the the typical moto stereotypical moto family as far as nuts. You know, they're pretty they're pretty down to earth, and I think let him chill out a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see how those kids come up. Um, all right, so here's what I want to ask you, Wes. The first commercial break of the night sounded like it was pretty uh, – uh, it was busy. There was some stuff going on upstairs. So this is right before Pookie's rant. Tell us a little bit about what we didn't hear or didn't see. 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, I rolled upstairs and she's like, hey, man, there's some pizza. I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then I go up there and you could just tell Pookie's face. She was just like steam coming out. And I was like, oh, what happened? So believe me, everything she said on the air, she probably said with the uh, said about two times the uh, the anger mode upstairs. So I, I got to hear the story twice. And then, it, yeah, it's um yeah, poor girl. I'm like, I, I wouldn't have had the patience to do what she did, but that dude, it, that was funny as shit just listening to her sip on wine and freaking recount that on the on the air. And then we, I, I was too scared to butt in upstairs. So, like, downstairs when everybody was kind of heckling her, that's when it really turned funny. So I uh, I, I think I enjoyed the uh, on-air part more than the upstairs part. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, I know Pookie a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so on air she would kind of giggle at, uh, Steve's jokes of Connor Karen, but then like, don't mess with me right now, Steve. And yeah, there was no yep. doubt with the look. I, I was obviously watching because uh, I do every Monday night, and you could just tell. Like, first of all, Pookie usually doesn't like to be on camera. Her and I have talked about that on Hello Pookie. Uh, she's very insecure and self conscious about that, but she was clearly pissed off and wanted to have her peace. Pookie, you went. You were unhinged upstairs. <sighs> It's been a rough day, okay? And it was a yeah. rough past yeah. couple hours. Listen, yeah. I'm just saying. Ten- you, tensions dude. are high right now, okay? Yeah. The energy is palpable everywhere. You can't make people wait for their grocery pickup for 41 minutes. It's a- not after okay. After they already had an hour to get it ready. I was checked in on my way. I checked in mm. when I left work. Walmart. If I had toddlers in that car, it would have been a freaking homicide on Rainbow Avenue. And they F me every time. I called this time. I called and complained. I just carried myself right into, may I please speak to the manager? Every time I come to this crap hole Walmart, I held up my end of the bargain, Mr. Mark. I've never done the pre-order, but now I, I mean, I, I like the sounds of it. It's so convenient. I normally do what you, you do. And shit I, Walmart. I, hate, I hate going to the grocery store. It's the worst are, ever. This is the umpteenth time this Walmart has effed me in the B. So 2020 YZ250F, F Walmart. F Walmart. Before we discuss this, uh, this whole topic, one more quick piece of audio. We're going to get JT's thoughts. How do you get groceries? I find, uh, I find a little bit of joy in walking the aisles. All right. Yeah, I put my uh, I yeah. put my AirPods in. I listen to a podcast or two, and uh, I just soak it all in. Check out the options. Hey, what's new in the marketplace? What, Thank you. What have I What have I been missing? Yep. There's a new uh, There's a new type of lunch meat that I haven't seen before. What kind? Oh, what kind of cheese is that? Could that so, be Gouda? So what I'm learning <laughs> about What I'm learning about you both yeah. is your impulse buyers. I don't know that I'm no, an impulse buyer. I, I, I like to I like to explore the uh, the culinary art. See what's out there. There's, oh. There are people working every single day. To bring us just grand treats, and if you aren't out there exposing yourself, well, not exposing yourself, <laughs> oh. to uh, to what's new, how are you ever going to know? So, so and, many keyboard elves. Oh, there. look at a little a little uh, sample station with a toothpick and a, and a generic meat. Absolutely. Yes, please. Some meat. Oh, yes. there's some coronavirus. What is that Italian sausage? You. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> All right, Skippy. I'm going to let you uh, give me some thoughts on this segment. Look, a lot of people get upset or have comments when it's, you know, they just want to hear the motocross stuff. I I don't personally just want to hear the motocross stuff. I want to hear this stuff because this is a thing that separates Pulp Mex from the other shows. I feel bad for Pookie. And I, I also take away from this that Steve and JT 
enjoy shopping way too much. Although I would rather go to the store than do the uh, call ahead pickup. But give me your thoughts, Skippy, on all this. Okay. So first things first. As a uh, new father, yep, uh, with an amazing dirt bike woman, uh, I understand my wife's appreciation for uh, delivery. And the importance of it. And I've seen my wife go all Karen mode, all sorts of different ways. With that said, uh, I don't, I think people take, uh, I think people could perhaps think that JT might, uh, people might not understand how serious JT is, is about his job. And he really needs time to do stuff like that, like grocery shopping, just to have time for himself because he is such a hardworking dude that he needs that kind of time to himself to do that stuff. But also, uh, from a marketing standpoint, there's a lot of stuff that our industry can learn from mainstream folks. And so it would not surprise me if JT was shopping and looking at marketing ideas and ways to improve fly racing. And it would not surprise me if he uh, saw a certain product with a – uh, new logo, and that perhaps created some ideas in his head. So I could picture JT taking time to go grocery shopping for both um, having some time to himself as well as also utilizing uh, what us mainstream folks uh, might use for marketing. So I think there's okay. a, a lot of a lot of easy marketing to be learned from the mainstream uh, lifestyle, yep. such as grocery stores. Uh, but I also think that JT could really use a lot of time to himself, and that might be the only time that he gets to himself is throwing in some AirPods and going and walking to grocery stores. And, and exposing I think that, himself. And exposing himself. But I think that's something that, uh, uh, from a podcast standpoint, uh, the listeners can relate to uh, those weekly guests a lot more, and I think it's just absolutely awesome. And I think, I think it's great because it makes them feel more connected to uh, those that they hear from every week. All right, uh, Wes, now, again, we, we heard your thoughts on the show, but what about just this non-moto talk, this backstory, this real-life talk uh, that we get sometimes from Steve and Pookie and Heather and Chris and, uh, you know, whoever else is in? Uh, you know, are you one of the people that's like, yeah, I just want to listen to motocross stuff, or do you want this other stuff, life? I mean, it, it makes it makes them so they're not just robots and not just moto guys. So I, I'm I'm all about the personality and getting to know people for who they are. So brings a whole another dynamic to uh, to them as as people and not just entertainers. So uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all about bringing the uh, bringing the jazz. Right on. All right, guys. So listen, Skippy, you're still riding. Uh, I hope to get back on a bike in a couple weeks. Wes, you haven't really been riding dirt bikes lately, but. I think we all know that Guts Racing is the best seat covers on the market, established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, JGR Suzuki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And Andy Gregg is back on for 2021. You're the man, Andy. Um, 
All right, hey, for Wes. the record, by the way, if you have wrist problems, you need to get the wing seat cover. If you've broken your wrist ever, I will never be able to ride a bike ever again without a wing seat cover. That huh. is the only way to go. It okay. will change your life. It takes the weight off of your hands and wrists, and it allows, like, it's like being clipped into the foot pegs because you just, it's just the wing seat cover, best kept secret in the world. Buy it. You need it. I like it. Okay. I may look into that because I have broke my wrist three times. Um all right. Was so, it on Brad, Was it on Bradshaw's bike? <laughs> no, that was uh. Oh, that was ribs. That yeah, was ribs. That was ribs bad. and long. You were there, man. You took care of me, Skippy. Thank you. <laughs> um, you were also the one that gave my uh, my Alpine Star boots back to Connor Olson, who's been on here many times. But uh, I'll forgive you for that. I, so my pleasure. Uh, couple little things. Super Chris says Supercross is not for sale. I hope that's the case. But I like hearing that. JT promised to ride in 2021. Uh, there was some e-bike talk, and Wes says, eat a dick if you don't like the e-bike talk. Uh, <laughs> I liked riding the e-bike. I don't necessarily care that much about hearing about riding them because I don't have one yet, but I am definitely uh, motivated to get one since I rode one at Steve's house. Uh, let's let's move up to or move on to the Pro Circuit shop video. Uh, Wes, we've been waiting on this for a long time. Jason... Kind of got shit on a little bit Monday night. Uh, maybe, maybe, it, you know, he deserves it. Uh, I, I don't know the guy, so I can't say. I enjoyed, again, the conversation. I enjoyed the fact that you said, hey, I would have done it if, you know, I was probably there. I, I could have just done it. Uh, and that it was funny to me, your response of, shit, if I see Jason, he'd probably just be like, yeah, yeah, here, here it is. Take it, you know. It's like, I think we all know guys like that. Um, so the insight you gave us. Monday night, like I enjoyed. It's still frustrating. I want to see it, but it's it's one of those things that now I almost like it better that we haven't seen it because it just keeps going. What do you think, Skippy? I just hope it doesn't turn out like a star thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like somebody what else gets if, it. What happens if Swap releases this video? What are you gonna do? <laughs> that would what are we gonna be do? awesome. What are we going to do? <laughs> Maybe Jason if Swap. Or even worse, Jody releases it. Oh God! Let, let him. Hey, and then yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Steve Mathis at the FMF warehouse. Yeah, or or I mean, they call I mean, somebody else. Circuit. Like, <laughs> hey, I can did, picture this. I can picture that. Don yeah. Don Maeda cleaned the pro circuit shop <laughs> a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, in all caps. Yeah, you're gonna see it misspelled on all Facebook and Instagram posts. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's that's the way to go, Wes. We gotta. Jason has to a- shop a- it to the higher April bid. First, yeah. April first, drop it with uh, from Swap or drop it with MXA. With April first, do it. Just uh, April Fool's. You got to do it. It would. It would have to be MXA. Yeah, that's the. That's it's definitely MXA. It's got to be MXA. That's definitely or dirt the, rider. Do, do dirt rider. That'd be even funnier. Uh, yeah, way to go. That's the way to go. All right. Um, Hey, Dark Side, you brought up a good point, though. Even if it did come out right now, like, there's no way it would be it would be done to the level that it needs to be done. It would need to be, like, the best video you've ever watched. Like, and if it was shitty at all, people would be like, wait, all this hype for fucking oh, yeah. two and a half years at this point is this bad or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I haven't got, seen it. So. You got to edit it with, like, Steve coming out, like, in the smoke, like, he's coming out for opening ceremonies <laughs> with a dust mop. You know, like he comes out of the opening ceremonies with the dust mop, just ready. That's the intro, and he's just ready and toned to like game face to to sweep the hell out of them floors. I would rather like, his his start video from Glenn Helen last year be the intro. 
Oh, perfect. <laughs> that, perfect. Oh no, no. All you got to do is all you got to do is he's pushing the broom and he gets stuck on like a like a piece of wood or something like that, and then right. then you see the start. Then you get the start. All right. Uh, John Anderson came on to promote the W World Vet Nationals. Um, I love John. Uh, he called me about 30 minutes before we started recording tonight to tell me he got my hubs for my 1990 YZ125. He's going to be getting together for me. Um, John's always a great guest. Uh, obviously, he uh, it's a big deal for him to honor his late father-in-law, Tom White. Uh, a lot of talk about the, the World Vets. Uh, less foreigners probably this year. No Galdi, which I'm very disappointed in, mainly because there's that means no Galdi in the post race show. That's still my favorite show. Last year's post race post race vet national show. But we did learn Wes that Randy Richardson's going to debut this year. Hashtag what the hell in? <laughs> yeah, it's, it passes passes some funniest man in Piedmont. Let's see how he does. Uh, hopefully, he can get off the line better than Steve. <laughs> that's not hard to do so you know and john skippy john obviously he asked you know he asked about reposting that video and he said i don't know what was funnier that or my crash so i'm sure you guys saw on social media i edited them together i, I may have slowed down steve start a little bit and zoomed in a little um and made sure everybody got to see that but uh, yeah, I, I don't have a problem throwing my my uh, embarrassing moment up on social media. Uh, Skippy, I don't think Steve's really butt hurt about the start video. It's funny, and he he as long as it's entertaining, I think he's cool with it. As much roasting that Steve does uh, against everybody else on a daily level, uh, especially you. Yeah, there you go. Especially you, like the amount of roasting you get, he can get it a couple times a year. He'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, hey, Wes, so John Anderson mentioned coming up uh, to ride mountain bikes with Steve here in a couple weeks, and he he asked to bring a friend. What the fuck? Uh, I, I, I asked to bring my friend, and I was told no, and John said, well, I'm just going to bring him anyway, and Steve's like, oh, okay, whatever. I guess that's the way to handle it. Just bring TJ next time. Oh, wow, yeah. I guess that's what you got to do. Hey, here's the thing. I'll tell you what, Steve's. He's a massive asshole. He let me ride his mountain bike. He bought me lunch. He bought me dinner. He let me ride his mountain bike. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he paid for my. He scheduled me an Uber to go back to the airport. Like, I just yep. could not believe how inconsiderate the guy was. So, Dude, I, the I, worst. I, I can kind of, yeah, the worst. I mean, yeah, pretty, same pretty thing. selfish person. There sounds like he's pretty selfish. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Same right? thing, man. Fed me. Uh, I came home with a bunch of beef jerky and Art of Sport and Grill Your Ass Off and Pulpamex socks. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he paid me for being there along with doing the, sh- you know, paying for the flight. He's an he, asshole, man. I bet he didn't give you that fly racing helmet. There was an extra fly racing helmet. He didn't give you that, did he? I bet he did. Or the Red Bull helmet? What about the Red Bull helmet? Come on, <laughs> man. You want to like, take that home? Yeah. Hey, hey for the record, yeah, well, Grill Your Ass Off was developed about uh, three miles from my house. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we're actually. Uh, I, I kind of am messaging with that guy, maybe trying to do a Pulpamex grill your ass off tailgate party at Houston. Like a dude, Murph is the man. Jason's yeah. awesome. So, do you remember the old school uh, podcast that me and uh, some buddies did back in the day? Yeah, that's that dude. Oh. He was part of that. Yeah, I, he was one of those dudes. Oh, that's right. I did not know that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'll have to get you to get me in touch with him, and yeah, we're gonna try to set something up uh, for yeah, one Murphy, of the Houston man. rounds, maybe. Um, hey, Wes. So, uh, what about Steve calling it Supercross Spy? 
he's been doing that since since it freaking started. And like me, me and my boy Danny Stu always just make fun of him, like behind his back, of course. Like, dude, Steve obviously never watches this shit or whatever. And and I, I now that I talk to Steve about it, like maybe he does watch some of it, but I think he just. He likes to just screw with me, and so he just calls it super, super, super cross fire. He calls it Red Bull Spot. Those Red Bull Spy videos. Yeah, like, yeah. Jesus, dude. Really? So, anyways, I need to start calling him the. Uh, the or, I don't know. I need to come up with some ridiculous name for his show that I just call him. You know. So the reason I brought that up, Wes, was, uh, you know, talking about Steve brings up the Spy Moto video, the Red Bull Spy Moto videos, and. The other podcast that you have involved, and of course I called in and kind of, I, I didn't agree with what Steve was saying. Steve's like, ah, no, no other podcast. I should be the only one. Uh, these guys, other guys aren't even going to races. They're not credible. And first of all, Steve, he, he discusses your shows. He's discussing your shows with you, but he's not even watching them. So he's not really credible to be talking about the Spy Moto videos and how great they are because he's not watching them he said oh, i watched some highlights so steve you're not credible uh but what a point what a good point thank you i do watch hold on, hold on a second wasn't wasn't steve in some of these videos if he's in them, you them. know he's watching he, you know he's watching them man he, he wants to hear himself come on I think uh, I, I disagree i don't think he i don't think he does because he's you know he's so he is really busy and i get it but uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't know that his point is v- completely valid uh, as far as all the podcasts that are in there. I do think maybe you could cut a couple of them out, add a couple others. Maybe I know for a fact that there there's another show that deserves to be part of the Spy Moto series, the family. I think there's another show that is credible. Let's let's hear what Steve has to say. Always doing something cool, the guys at the Moto X Pod Show. I love the Moto X Pod Show. It's completely different. Yeah. And it's completely original. And it's completely cool. So yeah, I, I I think Steve agrees with me with that. Um, honestly, Wes, I know your guy your guys, you know, do what they can to listen to the different podcasts and get the info that they need to make the story work. Uh, you know, and yeah, eventually, obviously, I would love for us to be a part of it, but I do think Steve has. A small point where it, his stuff is probably, in my opinion, the most credible. He's the most involved, uh, and, and I think you do a really good job of really showing the pulp world the most. Like they get probably eighty percent of the the podcast coverage on a particular video. Maybe maybe on some of them, maybe not on some of them. I, I I'll tell you one hundred percent. It boils down to who talks about the stories that we need the most. Like you know. If, if, especially if it's a TLD section, um, it, you know, it's not like Steve and them are diving into a 250 team, especially one that's getting sixth and eighth place very much, right? Right. So, uh, you know, you got to go where the, where the we have to have those story bites. So I mean, it's all happenstance. It's not like I tell these guys what to say or, or, or tell them anything. You know, there might be times I text them questions and say, hey, if you guys wanted to debate this tonight, that'd be awesome. Steve's terrible at that. So the other guys, I will text them before their podcast and be like, hey, if it happens to come up tonight, I'd love if you talked about Brandon Hartramps and how he got two third places in a row um, and what you think about it. So it's not like I'm asking anybody what to say, but at least if they include that, I'll have some audio advice I can use about Brandon Hartramps. But Steve, a lot of times, and especially depending on the guest, 
like maybe sometimes they're just incoherent sentences and like there's just no way to splice it together. It's our story is literally at, at the at the mercy of what they say and articulate on the show. If it's it, they might be trying to get a point across that they never get across, and it's like listening, listening, listening. You're like good, 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 and then it's like falls apart. It went it goes nowhere. Yep, yep, yep. I I, I understand that completely. Uh, yeah, because when I go back and try to cut audio for this, like I have an idea. My notes are just vague from Monday night, and then I go back and okay, I'm going to try to get this point out of the audio, and then it doesn't yep. go where I thought it even went, like where I remember it going. So yeah, I I can see what you're talking about. Um, hey, I guys, I do want to get both of your opinions quickly on this. So at the end of my call, after we got done talking about the Spy Moto series. My my freaking ponytail comes up again. Why is Steve just obsessed with my ponytail? And why, Skippy? Uh, he might have an unknown uh, attraction to you, okay, or folks. Or uh, with him, especially being a long hair rock band kind of person, uh, there might be something to be said about that and y'all's current relationship, and maybe. Maybe y'all need counseling together, and uh, maybe there's something to improve this marriage to where he's not constantly shitting on you. Uh, and this could actually be something that uh, internally uh, he's hiding deep down. I wonder, Wes, with Skippy's points, actually pretty good, if that's why he gives me so much crap, because he's like the the seven-year... Do what? He, he, he wants to be he's you. Flirt. Well, yeah, I was thinking yeah. he's like the seven-year-old boy that pinches the girl on the playground. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what it is. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's that's exactly what it is, right there. Okay, it. we're gonna roll. We're gonna just move on then. I a little weird. Yeah, now that we now that we see the bigger picture, it's yep. weird. Okay, fair enough. Well, I I I'll just take it as a compliment, Steve. I appreciate it. Uh, that's you know what. <laughs> yeah. Now I think back to when I was in studio and Kiefer wanted to cut my hair and Steve wanted to keep it in a Ziploc bag, or maybe that was Kiefer that wanted to keep it in a bag in the studio. But yeah, still, that was Kiefer. Very creepy. <laughs> very creepy. Hey guys. Hey, and you know what? Sometimes people uh, hold your hair to throw up. I held it to where you're. I held your hair so that way you wouldn't be spitting a blood on your hair. How about that, that? You did do that. Yes. Uh, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making insulation a breeze. Check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. -side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection and enter the code PULP25 for a 25% off discount at sealsavers.com. Appreciate those guys. Um, all right, let's rapid fire some of these things. We're, we're running a little late. Uh, two commercial breaks, I believe. Audio issue, issues coming out of both breaks. That makes me happy. I always love when there's audio issues because it makes me feel better about when I have those problems. Uh, but, Wes, I just want to know, what were the pookie snacks? What would you get for second break? We got uh, some really good cookies that had Hershey, Hershey squares, and then it like all melted oh, into the middle of them. They were yum. phenomenal. It's basically sugar with some extra sugar. It was mm. so good. I love it. I love mm. it. Right, I want those next time, Pookie. Um, mm. Skippy Nash called in and had a funny little rant of his own 
Uh, the guys that say, the kids, they say they got third place on the whole shot. And he's right. I've heard this crap. And then Josh was on. Josh Woods was on at the time, and he brought up the Arena Cross announcer saying the third place winner. That's a good. That's a good one. Now we got to we got to kill this whole third place whole shot. I hate that. Yeah, and uh, same people that drive motorcycles. Yeah, uh, <laughs> drive them. Whenever, yes. Pe- yeah, people people always ask me, "So what are you driving?" Uh, nothing. Uh, I got a Tundra. <laughs> good point. Uh, I like it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it goes yeah. it goes on that same thing. It's an unspoken rule that like. You just don't do that. Uh, good job, Nash. Um, hey, contest at pulpamexshow.com. Uh, chance to win one of two OGO bags. There's a backpack and a gear bag, I believe. All you got to do is send a picture of your bag, your current bag, and how, t- tell them how far it's traveled. They'll pick a winner. Again, contest at pulpamexshow.com. Uh, Wes, you and I are both not eligible. Uh, unfortunately, we, unless we probably make a fake email, but Skippy probably is eligible. So I'll probably win too. You know my winning history. Yeah, yeah, dude. You used to win sh- crap all the time, and I got shut down. I got uh, shut down too. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the Verb Moto story uh, that was really good, Wes. I didn't know all the details of that. I really enjoyed the story. Uh, you know the you know shutting down and how honest you were about. You know, maybe just mismanagement, a little bit of that. Uh, and I, I like that part of the show. I appreciate you being honest with it. Uh, Skippy, how about you, man? I know you're a Verb Moto guy. Yeah, I've uh, obviously grown up with dirt bikes being my passion. So that's something that I'm always going to just try to always look for new information. And Verb was really good, especially on the amateur side. Like those amateur years, like when you started talking 04, 06 times, like, uh, you know, I go back and look at uh, videos of Mosier, and I'm just like, oh, it gives me chills watching them. And yeah, yeah. videos of, of things that you've done and things that you've accomplished, I think it's uh, anybody that was around during that era, they'd be a fool not to be, you know, it gave me chills hearing you tell the story because everybody always wonders, and uh, there's just so much cool information that us normal folks don't, you know, get to hear about. And I think, uh, you know, it, and it also – you know, it makes us feel once again relatable to U.S. because, you know, we battle very similar issues in our everyday lives. And I think it's once again something that separates Pulp and X from uh, its competitors is that um, br- bringing out that kind of real information is only possible on the Pulp and X show. A lot of people don't, you know, of your caliper, Wes, uh, or of anybody else's, uh, they usually don't let out that kind of information freely. And so to get it, you know, through Pulp was pretty cool, and it also uh, was really good to, you know, let us normal folks realize that even these companies that we idolize growing up, essentially, uh, there are also humans that are running it, and humans make mistakes, and shit happens, you know. And so, yeah. I think it was, I think it was really good for the listeners, and I think yep. it was, uh, it was good for the the true passionate fans that have been there for a long time, and um, I think. It's not going to do anything but bring up bring up the stock of uh, Vermoto. Yeah, I, I really liked right. you. I liked you in studio, Wes. I think you did a really good job, uh, and I think I think Steve will bring you back again. I think he, I, I, you definitely held your own. Uh, maybe not quite as good as I was, but pretty damn good. Solid second. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, the web the web wanting Baggett setting story. That was cool. Uh, so yeah. 
yeah, that was good stuff. I'll just I'll touch on a couple more things real quick. Obviously, motorsport.com is also a sponsor of the wrap-up show and the, the motorsport tweet at tits segment, which was actually Talon. Dude, we got to get him his own freaking uh, intro, Steve. We got to get that done. There was some good stuff on there. They uh, One of the tweets was about how hard you've gone the night before a shoot. Uh, that was some good stuff. I... I I kind of wish Steve had gotten a little more into the Grant Langston ping stuff with Whiskey Throttle, but I think he's kind of sick of that. Um, Wes, you got to do the sponsor reads, and Steve always generally wants like real quick answers. Like that's why we always give like names, right? Randy Richardson, uh, you know, whatever. So you gave long descriptive stories basically, and I thought it was awesome. So that was good. That was really cool. I, I had no idea. I didn't know that part of the show was coming, so I, I did. I, <laughs> yeah, Dude, J- JT doesn't listen to the rules on time, anyways. So yeah, well, I was—I thought I was so prepared for that, and then all I did was throw out names, and uh, yeah, so I—I I totally blew it. Uh, but it was good. You did a good job. And then the last note I have—I uh, want to give Nick still again a shout out. Every week for the last three or four weeks, he has listened to the show, made awesome notes. He timestamps everything just like I do. And he catches little things that maybe I didn't think were like that interesting necessarily or worth talking about. And he always catches things and I go, Oh yeah, you know what? Now that he wrote it down, it was kind of cool. One of the things that I want to point out that Nick put in here was with Tony Alessi talking about the supercross points with no futures, uh, supercross futures. How are guys like Volan and Hammaker going to get their points? And then he also brought up, the fact that JT said Chad has no interest in Supercross. Um, Wes, which which of those two things like you find most interesting, and what were on the show? As far as like what's going to happen with Supercross features, or how are they going to get their points? Yeah, just those like, those are two points that Nick put in his notes. Those two things, and which one of those two like let's discuss one of them. Pick one. Like which one is the most interesting to you? Yeah, it, the, the, definitely the the. The Supercross Futures is the hardest thing because guess what? They, they, they're they trying to set up this whole system, and they've already had the whole arena cross thing go to shit. So now yep. they've got the Futures thing, and like they're trying to put all the eggs in that basket. But now because of COVID, that whole plan has now gone to shit. Not not their fault of their own, but like it just seems like now that there's no consistent way to make this happen. Yeah. So to me, if I'm an amateur, that would be the most frustrating thing. Like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm an amateur last year that got five of my points. Uh, before the whole thing shut down or whatever, and now I'm I'm just in this limbo. Like, how the hell do I make this happen? Uh, so to me, that that'll definitely be a, a crazy dynamic to see them fight through or pull through. Like, whatever they got to do to to make it happen, that's gonna so, de- definitely gonna be crazy. Yeah, this this is ridiculous to me because like I'm I'm a dude that I literally last year just got my pro card at 32 you know, 31. And I went and did the winter series and did my pro-am series to get my pro card outside. But like I got my pro card. I have no business being on a supercross track zero. And I think it should be, it, there's a lot of dudes that are just so committed to doing it that they're going to get, let's say sixth place or eighth place seven times to get their points. Like that dude is probably not going to qualify for the night show. Right. Right. Seventh place that many times. Sure. This should, there needs to be a normal human being that can sit there and be like, all right, let's go look at your amateur results. First things first, you did five races and there's 25 pros. You got top three every time against some serious names. It should be kind of common sense that you probably have the natural ability to go out and shred. And then when you got dudes 
like what they were talking about, how guys from Europe can just automatically get their stuff. And then you got that one guy who's clearly working his balls off. I forgot his name, but the one guy that didn't, like wasn't allowed in. Yep, yep. Uh, whatever that dude's name is, that guy. He <laughs> was a bad dude, and he clearly could have done whatever. He was training with the right guys. You know, he clearly could have been way more uh, uh, capable than Ronnie Ford. I mean, shit. I mean, it's just it's Ooh, throw somebody bullshit. under the bus. It's, the system? No, I don't give a shit. the The system's broken. It's fucked, and it's stupid. And if you're a bad dude. It should be common sense. Like, you know you belong out there. If if you think you belong out there, you probably shouldn't be out there. You know what I'm saying? And there's there's guys that... But, but, but the issue is every... I, I promise you, every amateur A-kid thinks they should be out there. Right. So you just... By, by, by I know. adding in the human element, it doesn't give you any any reason to tell those kids that think they should be there no. And, like, we go, go back to the parents talking. Uh, imagine having to do with Lorraine Barsha in uh in oh nine uh, telling telling uh, hey Justin's not ready yeah. for you. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that and that's true and it's it's but it's like I mean there should be you can sit there and look at people and see what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know Don't get so. me wrong, I, I believe I I, I what you're saying one hundred percent makes sense to me. You know if someone belongs on a supercross track, but the problem is the kids that don't belong on it think they do. So you it it would always be a freaking battle no matter what yeah, yeah. that's, that's, kinda, right. that's hard, hard to do that skippy's rant is brought to you by race tech use pulp code 20 uh i want to thank <laughs> once again all of our sponsors guts racing michelin bicycle tires seal savers motorsport.com and of course support all the other pulp sponsors at pulp fly racing yes fly racing at pulpamexshow.com click on the sponsor link tab sponsor links are there uh discount codes are there there's phone numbers all kinds of great stuff use it support them and of course anything you have to say about the pulp mix wrap-up show if you want to contribute to hello pookie dark side at pulpamex.com we got to get some more pookie segments going soon other than that guys for episode 443 that is a wrap thank you for coming on give me your time yeah buddy yeah good time all right boys that's it we're out of here why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Yeah.